The content of CPR Unplugged is designed for entertainment purposes only and is not intended as mental health treatment or medical or mental health advice. Details such as names and locations may have been changed to protect individual privacy. Hello, and welcome to CPR Unplugged. I'm your host, Rob, and today we are pleased to be joined for an On the Spotlight interview by Drew McSherry, the Deputy CEO of Crisis Preparation and Recovery. Welcome, Drew. Hey, Rob. How's it going? Good. So glad you could join us today. Absolutely. And we have a few different areas that we wanted to cover with you, but the first one I was interested in is being Deputy CEO for CPR. What does that entail? What's your day-to-day life and your responsibilities as Deputy CEO? Well, I think that's, it's changed over time. The interesting part of, of the title is that it's a new title for CPR. And um, so, you know, sometimes when you, you get to create it, um, there's some aspects of that that are exciting and then aspects of that that kind of leave you scratching your head going, hmm, I wonder <laughs> if this is what I should be doing or not. But the, the, the great thing about it is that, you know, with, with working with Mike Boyle and the CEO and, and, uh, and Tom, you know, the founder, and then the other chiefs, is that, you know, kind of together we've been able to, to really kind of, um, you know, take the strengths, I think, of the team and be able to kind of divide those up as far as the tasks and, and really start attacking things. So it's been, um, while it's been challenging, it's sometimes trying to kind of figure out what it looks like uh, because it's only, you know, about six months old. The you know, exciting part of it is that it's allowed us to be able to actually do things better because we've been able to focus on our strengths and, and uh, allow people to kind of continue to grow in different areas. So that part I've really enjoyed. Oh, cool. What are some of the exciting things, Drew, that you get to do with your position? I think one of the things I really enjoy is, is taking a look at the company as a whole and from, especially from a kind of a data and, and finance and um, operational standpoint and, and really take a look at how can we, how can we do things better? You know, it's, it's part of what I did uh, when I was the chief operating officer and that's kind of continued. And it's, it's been something now that I've been able to actually have some more time to do, which has been great. And I've found some things that have allowed us to be able to uh, make some better decisions and, and, and do a little bit more uh, strategic planning uh, for the future that is going to not only help more clients, but also help the company uh, you know, thrive depending on any, you know, anything that comes our way, even, even this uh, COVID-19 thing going on. Yeah, and that leads me to my next question, like with some of the challenges, what are some of the things that you've been able to do as deputy CEO, as well as uh, management and leadership team uh, to meet this challenge that, uh, that we're all facing right now? You know, I, I think one thing that we kind of had already in place um, that came to fruition was we had you know, really good people in our informatics team that, that handled all of our backend IT and, and clinical you know, EMR, electronic medical record systems and, and technology standpoint and, and, and allow them to basically say, hey, how can, how can they help us be able to continue to provide service? And they were amazing in, in the whole transformation of the company, basically seeing everyone in person for the most part to now we're basically seeing everyone through televideo and, and uh, using the telephone. Uh, we wouldn't have been able to do it without them. Um, and the cool thing is, is that we've actually seen uh, an increase in the show rate for, for our outpatient 
uh, clinics and, and clients because it's simply just, it's, it's so convenient. It's really hard for them to kind of find some of those typical excuses not to come in for counseling and, and medication management. And so, um, you know, we've been fortunate and blessed that we had the right people at the right time, but also the, the uh, you know, one of our core values of flexibility and that we had to, we had to change quickly. And, um, you know, some of the challenges that we faced was we just didn't know how it was going to work. And thankfully that, you know, over the last month and a half or so, we've really been able to kind of prove and reprove that uh, telemedicine is, is something here to stay and it can, can provide service when you're unable to see people because of, you know, social distancing and the other things we're trying to do to, to, to continue to take care of people, maybe in a completely different way than behavioral health, but just from a physical standpoint. And, um, you know, it's from, from my role, really, it's just about supporting those to be able to be successful. Um, and I, and I hope that I've been, been doing that well enough. And, and I think, you know, again, from a team standpoint, going back to kind of the earlier answer to my question is that the, you know, allowing people to have and utilize their strengths is something that was key. And it, it, it came to fruition in, in positive ways throughout this uh, kind of new pandemic that we've been struggling with. It has. And I, I can attest from the, one of my responsibilities doing outpatient therapy of just what you're saying in terms of uh, everybody seems to like it. Uh, and they, uh, like you said, there's few excuses to miss a session right. when they're already at home. And so that uh, I, I've noticed certainly that uh, the, the show rate is, is a lot well, not a lot higher, but just that uh, yeah, everybody seems to show up and everybody seems to like doing it that way. So, yep. yeah, we really appreciate how quickly everything got put into place there and the, the leadership that you and the, the leadership team has, has shown in, in getting us all set up with this. Absolutely. And it, tell us a little bit about your history and background and what drew you into the behavioral health field. Sure. So, you know, having, having Tom um, start the company 25 years ago and, and having him be my father, then obviously I was kind of already in the business, even though I was never in the business. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he'd always been one who had worked um, helping others, whether it was being a volunteer fireman or, uh, you know, teaching, um, you know, he was doing disaster relief at the Salvation Army and working on critical incident stress management and debriefing. So, you know, it's kind of always been in the family. We have a lot of first responders and, and, you know, public workers in our family, kind of extended family. So, you know, kind of being, being there for others, taking care of others, has just been part of the McSherry way. And and so you kind of grow up around that and, and get used to it and understand that that's just what you're, you know, what we believe is, you know, what, why we're placed on this earth to do is, is to, you know, to be servant to others. And which is why, you know, kind of our, our mission statement of we exist to serve is, is so important because it, it's not only kind of how we, you know, have lived our lives and, and, but it, we get to show it now with, you know, 300 other CPRNs and everyone else that we get to, to serve. And so, you know, the, the history of that's kind of always been there, but the plan was to not, there was never a plan to join CPR from my point of view. Um, it was always something my dad was doing and he was, you know, off doing his thing. And my whole kind of collegiate, you know, career as well as post college was always going to go into education. So um, I got a degree in social science and then in um, a school in Texas and then 
I actually had to come back to Arizona to take a whole nother year of courses to get my teaching certificate after my bachelor's degree. And during that time, again, he, you know, the company from CPR standpoint was, was going on. Um, you know, this was the early 2000s. And um, again, no mention of, of coming over or anything like that. And started my teaching career and, and taught for eight years in, in the public school system. And, and, you know, 2009 was kind of a, uh, um, an interesting year for me. It was, it had a, a lot of highs, um, but a couple of lows as well. So 2009, um, I turned 30, I got married. We won a state title from the baseball team that I was coaching in the high school level. And I left teaching and joined CPR. <laughs> and there's a whole bunch of stuff kind of in between there. But the one of the main reasons why I came over to CPR was that was about the same time that they acquired the SMI evaluation team from Magellan at the time. And he really was looking at how am I going to kind of train and or build and or, you know, do a bunch of things with all of these new employees. He basically doubled overnight. And so he started talking to me and saying, Hey, you know, the landscape and teaching right now is not great. You know, so this is 09. So we're talking, you know, recession after the housing collapse. Um, the, the states didn't have any money, which means therefore the school districts didn't have any money. And they were freezing wages. They were laying off teachers. They were doing uh, reduction in force. And so it was kind of like, man, if I'm going to be taking care of a family, you know, I, I might need something that's a little bit more, more stable. And so we just kind of started talking and said, you know, what if you came over here and, and did a whole bunch of things for me? Um, you know, we know we have a need and some training things and, and some education stuff, which is what I knew I could do. And, um, you know, I always kind of had a knack for kind of data and IT and different things. And so he's like, we really don't have anybody doing that. And, and so we just said, you know, why don't we just go ahead and try it? So I actually started off slow. I was actually still teaching um, and kind of working for CPR, kind of doing some different things and finally made the decision to come over to CPR full time. And, you know, I, I've pretty much done in my almost 11 years now, anything non-clinical, you can pretty much put it on my resume when it comes to CPR. Uh, I've done billing, I've done front desk, I've done IT, I've, I mean, you name, I've moved things, right? We kind of joke that I have, you know, different names depending on which hat I'm wearing. Um, you'll sometimes see me with a, a, a furniture dolly and a six foot desk. <laughs> I still do that. In fact, I just did it a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, I think that that it was an interesting beginning, but yet it's morphed into something that I wouldn't trade for the world. I did think, you know, there was a time, um, especially as I began to kind of do some more leadership stuff within the company that, that there, there was some pressure on myself, not from anybody else, but from myself of, you know, trying to live up to the McSherry name and wanted to make sure that I proved to kind of everyone that I was there for my own merit, not necessarily just because of my last name. And I remember it took myself probably longer than other people because they probably accepted it way quicker than I did that, you know, I, I, I felt like I kind of was like, all right, I'm here because I deserve to be here. Not because, you know, um, I was given a job by my dad who owns the company. And I, th I think I've, I've kind of always carried that with me um, to a certain extent because I, I want to make sure that people understand, you know, how, how much I want to do for them um, to be able to kind of, you know, continue to prove that, uh, that, you know, what, 
why I'm here is just to help others and how I can do that is using my own skill set to be able to do that. And uh, so I'm happy to say that I've, uh, I've moved past that now. <laughs> and, um, it's been, you know, it's been great. Um, I, I don't, I can't imagine not being here, which is so funny because again, uh, we never planned for me to be here. So sometimes it's funny how the big guy works. Absolutely. So it started with your family values and like you said, wasn't part of the plan to begin with, but uh, that you're glad to be here and we're glad that you are and that, uh, you know, we see every day of, of how much you do for uh, the company and for us as, as well as the population that we serve. And, and we're all very grateful for that, Drew. Well, I appreciate that. And what do you like to do uh, for fun? You know, given that, uh, you know, we, there's so much going on in the field and, you know, at work all the time. What, what do you like to do to blow off steam and, and just kind of take your mind off things? Sure. So I, my, one of my favorite things to do is to spend time with my family. Um, I've got four kids at nine, seven, five, and three. And uh, <laughs> between all of their activities, and uh, just them being them, that keeps me very busy. Um, and, uh, you know, I like being home with them and, and doing activities with them, you know, with my wife as well. And, and um, you know, church is important to me. I, have, uh, I get to play in the, the praise band. I've, I've, I've played music my whole life. And so um, piano, guitar, I kind of mess around with the drums a little bit. But, you know, one of the ways that I, I'm able to kind of de-stress or kind of just relax is, is uh, you know, playing music. I'll just sit down at the piano and just kind of play around or, you know, just bring out the guitar and just kind of strum some things. And, and uh, so I'm able to, to use that musical outlet on the weekends at church. And that's been, it's always been very beneficial to me. Um, Baseball is a huge part of my life. I played all the way through college and, and uh, so it's, it's uh, a little piece of me is dying every day right now <laughs> without the season going on. Yeah, um, and, and, you know, my, my seven-year-old Luke, he was, we were just about to start his, uh, his season for uh, coach pitch and, and uh, that got canceled. And so, you know, not having baseball is a little rough, but, but, you know, being able to kind of be home a little bit more and, and be with the family and stuff is definitely more than made up for that. So. Um, those are those are the things that kind of you know I do on the outside that that allow me to to you know recharge and come back at work and and kind of be able to do things that I need to do there. Yeah, and how, how's the golf game going? You know, it's not too bad, Rob. Yeah. I, you know, you and I played that one time, and we did some uh, you know some um, top golf, and and uh, yeah. you know we we actually made a pretty good team. You and yeah. I, Glenn and. And even Teddy, she, she had a swing that golf club, but yeah, it was um, a lot of fun. We, um, you know, I, I, I joke as my, um, uh, my uncle plays a lot of golf and, uh, we text back and forth a lot. Um, yeah. He's up in Oregon and, and the amount of rounds he plays, I don't know if I can say on air cause it would just make everyone <laughs> ahead, but it's, uh, it's, it's funny because he'll, he'll play more rounds in a month than I'll play in like two years. Wow. Uh, but the good Lucky thing is, him. is that I can still beat him sometimes. So I don't know what that says about him or me, but <laughs> either way, it's uh, it's still something I like to do, you know, especially with, uh, with, with my dad. And uh, we'll probably actually go out sometime this week for his birthday and, and uh, hit the links and yeah. uh, social distance ourselves on the green. So 
Yeah, very good. Well, thanks, Drew, for joining us today. And before we wrap up, any uh, you know big in initiatives in the pipeline? Anything for the future that you can share with us? You know, I think one of the biggest things that we we want to do is continue to kind of go along that five-year vision that we put out about a year and a half ago, and continue to look forward uh, into you know, how can we continue to find different uh, ways to serve others. Uh, you know, whether that's expanding outpatient, uh, which, you know, we're, we're, we're continuing to look at new, um, new places to, to have clinics, uh, whether it's new ways to be able to serve people, uh, continue to expand down into Pinal and, and Pima County. And, and so it's, you know, we really want to continue to find ways to help more people because, you know, the, the unfortunate part is that the need is always going to be there. In fact, it's, it feels like it's growing you know, every day, and, um, especially with this pandemic going on. And so we just want to continue to try and find ways to, to be innovative and, and flexible and, and, and keep our compassion going with, with ways to find others. And so I think really the, the good thing about what we do is because we have so many good people in, in every facet of CPR is that it allows us to, to be able to move on a dime and, if we see an opportunity, you know, we can go after it and uh, make it work and, and, and find ways to, to continue to help people. Thank you so much, Drew, for joining us today. And I think I can speak on behalf of a lot of people that work with CPR that we all believe in the mission and that we're all grateful to be a part of CPR and given the opportunity to be able to serve. And thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Rob. My pleasure got questions or ideas for the podcast, or perhaps you have your own story to share, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at podcast at crisisprepandrecovery.com or call 602-281-7795. You can also find us online at cprpodcast.podbean.com or wherever you prefer to find your podcast. CPR Unplugged was produced by Crisis Preparation and Recovery, Inc., the intro and outro music was created by Rob Wilson. The CPR podcast team includes Tamara LaMontagne, Ben Edwards, Laura Kaufman, Rob Wilson, and Michael Magarinos. Special thanks to Jason Spisak for technical support. 